Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. David Cobb of CBS Sports join us as uh, he had a very interesting article and talking about, or at least a statement, talking about Arkansas being one of those teams to watch. And David, really appreciate you joining us uh, here on Out of Bounds, man. How you doing this afternoon? Hey, I'm doing well. I hope I'm as entertaining of a call as the last day that you had on the line. <laughs> well, I'm sure you will be, man. I'm sure you will be. It's been very entertaining right now. And and since we're on this subject, because I, I want to get everybody's opinion on it, because I think that at this point uh, there's a lot of opinions and a lot of takes about everything. But you're a guy who covers college basketball. You know about the situation with Brandon Miller. Just kind of what's your overall take from it? And is there anything more that you think will happen from this situation or you think it's over and done with and they're just going to move on? Yeah, I think it's over and done with, and they're going to move on. But if I had the Monday morning quarterback, you know, how they should have handled it, I think what you do is, you know, NATO said he had all this information uh, as soon as as soon as everything happened uh, with the initial shooting back in January. And if that was the case, I think you have to sit Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley, you know, for for several games there, uh, and hold them accountable for the fact that had specifically had Brandon Miller acted differently. He could have, one, saved a life, and then, two, saved a, a teammate from throwing his life away. Uh, because if, if Darius Miles is convicted of capital murder, well, it, he's going to be in jail for uh, a good portion of his life. And a teammate, if, if he had acted a little bit more responsibly, could have prevented all that. And I think you have, there has to be some accountability there. Uh, we were watching that broadcast last night, right, on ESPN2, and the, the announcers are talking about, Seth Greenberg's talking about how Lamont Paris uh, took Gigi Jackson out of the starting lineup because he had bad body language. <laughs> and meanwhile, Brandon Miller has is, is not been punished at all uh, for at least some, some role in a murder. So it, it, it doesn't really seem to add up. So Alabama administration, they've had discussions, and we heard from their AD, Greg Byrne, yesterday about uh, why Brandon Miller is still playing at this point. Now, I think there was a lot thrown at Nate Oates simply because he did choose – poor choice of words at the time and so that's why he's kind of under the microscope for it but as far as their backdoor discussions from the time that this incident happened into letting Brandon Miller play they're in full support of him based on speaking to several people including law enforcement and legal discussions yeah yeah I actually saw a clip from Reese Davis talking with uh, Greg Byrne the Alabama athletic director and Reese Davis basically asked Byrne, like, yeah, you, you understand the perception will be that uh, Brandon Miller hasn't been punished due to the fact that he's a star player on a really good team, right? And Byrne didn't deny that. He's like, I understand why people think that. In some ways, it came off as a, as a tacit, like, nod to the fact that, yeah, you, you might be right. Uh, if this was anybody else, maybe we handle it differently. And you know, it's also interesting the timing of Nate Oates' contract extension, huge contract extension, which came about two weeks after the the uh, the murder. So, in in some ways, it's like if Nate Oates suspends his his best player uh, for five games or, or what have you, or it, it comes out publicly that his best player was implicated in this in some way, uh, can the university do that extension uh, under those optics at that time? Well, now they don't have to worry about that anymore, but. If Nate Oates were uh, approaching this offseason without a, an extended contract, he suddenly becomes a lot more attractive to, to other jobs. You know, the buyout there might be prohibitive now. And the fact that he didn't punish a, a star player might also uh, make other schools 
cautious to, to actually look at. And so um, it's, there's a lot of dynamics to this and, and a lot of conversations that were had within the athletic administration at Alabama that uh, kind of make you raise your eyebrows a little bit about, boy, what, what, is, what are our priorities in college sports, which honestly I guess that's nothing new. Well, David, let's uh, shift over to uh, something that's a little bit happier of a discussion, at least here in the state of Arkansas, and that's dealing with the Razorback basketball team because it's been a weird year for them. Injuries have played a part in it, but uh, it certainly had a lot of expectations before the season started. People thought that as far as talent goes, it's one of the best that Arkansas had. But you had Nick Smith kind of off and on the court. You had Trevin Brazil go out for the season. But now they got Nick Smith back, things are going pretty well right now, and they got three tough games to finish out the season, one of them being against Alabama this weekend. But uh, on CBS Sports, you talked about teams that were under the two-seed line of who you really liked and uh, maybe a team that could go for a national championship, and you mentioned Arkansas. So a lot of people are curious, why would you pick Arkansas of all the teams there, especially given some of their inconsistencies so far this year? Well, uh, to me it comes down to the fact that their defense remains elite. So you actually go back and compare Arkansas's defense this year to the last two seasons, and according to Ken Palm, it's right there in the top 15, just like it has been the last two years. Now you throw in Nick Smith Jr., the number one overall prospect in the recruiting class, who just went nuts the other night in a game that nationally a lot of people weren't watching. But I'm sure Arkansas fans who listen to you guys saw what Nick Smith did against Georgia. And, yeah, it's Georgia, but if he goes out and does that and – Arkansas makes 11 out of 23 pointers. They're not going to do that every night, but when they do, they can be anybody in the country. This is a preseason top 10 team. Eric Musselman is doing his thing like he usually does. Slow start to conference play while he gets everybody on the same page. He flips that roster every year, and then they start to come together at the end. I see that happening again. And you're right, it's a tough closing stretch, but I actually think uh, due to the circumstances of off-court stuff with Alabama and with Tennessee really struggling, uh, they'll have a chance in both those games, even on the road. And then, of course, like I'm sure Bud Walton will be just nuts when Kentucky comes to town to end the year. So I think it, uh, uh, Arkansas could win two of these last three, get as high as a seventh seed or something, and then, and then have a chance to uh, uh, do what they've done the last two years and make a really deep run in this thing. You think it's a case that um, Arkansas could be underseeded going into the NCAA tournament based on the strength of the team now, and they've been up and down throughout the season. But we've seen something similar before where Kentucky was an eight seed one season. And so when you're an eight seed, you match up against the one seed in the second game, and they actually, as the eight seed, knocked off that one seed. And many at that time felt like they were underseeded. Do you think that could be a similar case with Arkansas? Yeah, absolutely. Nobody, and this goes for the SEC tournament too, nobody is going to want to – face Arkansas, uh, an Arkansas team that's getting uh, Nick Smith fully involved and playing really well defensively and is deep, too. I mean, Musselman, even with Brazil you know, out for the year, he can still go 10 or 11 deep if he wants to uh, and has different combinations he can throw at you. So, yeah, if you're a, a one seed and you see Arkansas in your pod in the 8-9 matchup, that is not desirable. And Arkansas could absolutely uh, be a one seed this year. The The top of the sport is just not as maybe dominant. I flash back to the 21 season with Kansas and Baylor, and it was pretty clear they were the, the best teams in Gonzaga. They were the best teams in the country, and there really wasn't a whole lot of debate about it. It's not really like that in college basketball this year. Those one seeds are going to be vulnerable. All of them have shown their flaws at points uh, in this season. So, 
yeah, there's going to be a chance for, for Arkansas to make another run here. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's still a long shot, but that was the point of what we wrote was to find some of those teams who aren't going to be among the top eight seeds in this tournament and, and who could really make a deep run and have a chance. And uh, I, I have a lot of belief in Eric Musselman that he gets his teams to play the right way at the right time of year. And most teams are, are, are dealing with injuries and attrition right now and losing players, just trying to hold it together. And Arkansas seems to be doing the opposite by, by getting Nick Smith back and, and, and up to speed. Speaking with David Cobb of CBS Sports here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. You mentioned that with Muss a few times as far as getting his teams to play their best at the right time, especially towards the end of the season. I think that's what every coach says they want, but not every coach can do that. So how do you feel like Muss is able to do that? Is there some sort of secret recipe into doing it? It's just about the culture he built. How has he been able to year after year get his teams to always play their best at the right time? Well, I think he's super formulaic about the way he approaches his, his transfers and the guys he goes and gets. He knows based off of uh, formulas and years and years all the way back to Nevada uh, and even back to his days as an assistant, uh, sort of what's going to work and what a team needs from a roster management standpoint. And then he understands and has patience to, to know that, hey, this isn't going to happen overnight. And you see him every season take their lumps early in league play. Uh, and then of course, as those guys gel and get used to playing together, uh, they, they start to turn it around. That's why I really don't have too much concern about Nick Smith working back into the lineup. You know, I think it was the game before he came back, Arkansas won pretty uh, handily at Rupp Arena. And then, of course, you take a couple of losses after that. But now, over these last two games, you've started to see what Arkansas at its best can look like and how a Nick Smith can, can raise the ceiling. So, you know, I, I just think he has a lot of patience and a lot of belief. Maybe some coaches doubt when they get off to a, a sub-500 start in league play. Oh, man, uh, did, did I really go and get the right guys? Do we need to switch things up? Uh, he doesn't seem to panic in those moments. And then over time, uh, the initial projections that he made in the, in the transfer portal, uh, they really turn out to be true. In comparison, what are some of the other teams you're high on besides Arkansas? Yeah, there's, there's a handful that you can really pick from that are not going to be highly seeded in this big dance who are going to have a chance. Another one that I, that I lead to, similar situation to Arkansas, is, is Creighton. Uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner was not out for nearly as long as Nick Smith has been out, uh, but they lost a lot of games when he was out, and that's going to ultimately keep them from climbing as high in terms of seeding as, as maybe their potential would suggest. So Creighton probably going to be around that five or six line. They did lose uh, two nights ago, but uh, they're going to have a chance to make a deep run as well. And then, I mean, to, to name a couple of Blue Bloods, uh, Duke and Kentucky, uh, I know that's probably not what folks want to hear, but uh, they're going to be in that same neighborhood, six, seven, eight, nine uh, range, but tons of talent. That, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, similar to Arkansas, Duke has a new roster every year. And this year they have a new coach too, and it's taken them a minute to figure it out, but if they put it together, among the most talented teams in college basketball, no doubt. You mentioned also about college basketball in general, as far as the top, there's not really a bunch of top teams, or at least a few teams that really stand out and being better than everybody else. It's been a wild year. Nobody can stay at number one, it seems like. It's pretty all over the place. What do you contribute that to? Is it just the amount of parity in these teams that are up top? Is it just because there's not one dominant team? Just How, how has that been happening in college bas uh, college basketball this year? I think it's the sport getting older. I can't really back it up with evidence, but the years uh, of the teams with the best freshmen just dominating the sport are over. You know, in, in a decade, 15 years ago, 
Duke with with this freshman class, which is basically has five of the top ten freshmen in the country, uh, they would have they would have dominated. I mean, you could even say that for Arkansas too, right? Like uh, their freshman class is so highly uh, highly loaded and, and highly touted that you know maybe maybe ten fifteen years ago Arkansas is still in the hunt for the SEC regular season title at this point. But so much of college basketball has has gotten older. We see fifth sixty year seniors now. Uh, teams prioritizing experience over freshmen in, in the portal. And so these, you know, these freshman-loaded teams like Duke are going up against teams with 22-, 23-year-old guys every night, and so they're just not able to dominate in that same way. I think that's my hypothesis, at least. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I would chalk it up to. Is it more about the talent being spread out? Also, we do see that some of these teams are still loaded up with the highly ranked freshmen, but the talent – overall is spread out because um, players realize if they're good and they have the talent because they all want to get to the next level, wherever they go, they can be found. They don't have to necessarily go to Duke, Kentucky, Kansas. They can go wherever. And so the talent is more spread out throughout the sport. I think it's a good point. And NIL helps with that as well because uh, let's say Duke, um, their war chest starts to run dry or something, you know, uh, there's plenty of other programs out there who care a lot about sports. Uh, uh, Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, great examples in the SEC, all teams that have recruited really well over the last three or four years with coaches who have energized their program, and they've uh, collected players who you wouldn't normally expect uh, them to get based off their, their history. I mean, Arkansas certainly more proud of a basketball history than, than Auburn or Alabama, uh, but still, I mean, yeah, that NIL has helped with that, without a doubt. So you do see a wider dispersion of that elite talent. Yeah, because it even made me think about the situation with, like, Arkansas and, like, last year. Like, Stanley Amude came from a school that wasn't really well-known and didn't really know a lot about him, but then he was pivotal in Arkansas's run to the Elite Eight. Adis Tony, a guy from Pitt, a transfer, it's like, you know, uh, who is this guy? Well, he comes in and ends up being a big part of it, too. So a lot of times in those transfers and everything, it's just about fit. And about uh, addressing those needs, too. And I think that with the transfer portal and the amount of players that are moving all over the place, that's also a, a very important thing is not only to have the talent, but to just have the right guys for the right fit in those situations, too. Yeah, and I talked to Musk for a story a couple of years ago about his, you know, he was on the cutting edge of all this, understanding how to incorporate transfers. And, and so it's no surprise to see him adapting and, and killing it in that game as well. So, I mean, I just think he, he does a really great job of, putting a roster together. It's not like he just blindly goes in and tries to collect the most stars and the most points per game that he can. You know, he, he's pretty meticulous about uh, what he wants in particular. And, you know, hey, maybe he could have gotten a, a little bit more outside shooting <laughs> in the portal this year. But, that, you know, I'm curious to see how Nick Smith continues to open up the offense and, and help him down the stretch here. Because, like I said, their, their defense is, is phenomenal. And that's honestly the, the biggest thing is if you can get – a collection of new players to gel and play well together defensively, you're ahead of the curve. And, and I think the offense is, is starting to round into form. And like I said, if, if Arkansas shoots at or even close to uh, as well as it did from the three-point line against Georgia, there's nobody in the country that they cannot beat. So they're not going to shoot that well every game. Uh, but, man, uh, that, that to me, that performance against Georgia was a glimpse into what they can be when they're at their best. David, we have about a minute left. Who is the best team in college basketball right now? I think it's still Alabama, to be honest. And, and I'm a little spooked by the fact that they got taken to overtime by South Carolina last night. I, I think you chalk that up in part to the circumstances. 
they are so talented, so long, uh, elite in many facets. And I, I'm excited to see Nick Smith and, and the Razorbacks uh, go up against a team like that. I think that yeah, should be a, a tremendous atmosphere and a great game. But if not Alabama, it's Houston. But, but right now I give Alabama the benefit of the doubt because they went to Houston and won on the road uh, earlier this season. And if you're trying to pick the best team, I think a head-to-head win over the, the competition in their arena uh, should count for something. Well, David, man, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know it's a fun time in college basketball right now, getting closer to March Madness as it's be right around the corner. But I'm sure we'll be catching up with you at some point in time, but we appreciate you hopping on. All right, guys. Sounds good. Thanks.